Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Jason Yates, the CEO of My Faith Votes. There are few people that know the inner workings of elections to the degree that Craig Huey does. Craig is a political commentator, but he's a Christian first, and everything he does is designed to help Christians engage faithfully in this divided world of politics. In this conversation, we're breaking down a lot of topics, but most importantly, Craig is giving us seven non-negotiables for the Christian voter. Keep listening because this really matters. I want to thank you for joining this interview with Craig Huey. This is going to be a powerful interview, and this speaks directly to the mission and the goals of My Faith Votes. Craig is a author, a political commentator. He's run for Congress, and he has written this book. It's called The Christian Voter. Uh, We're going to talk about this. So, Craig, thanks for joining and being here with me today. Jason, it's great to be with you. Yeah. So this book is pretty incredible because you you address a lot of the issues that I think as My Faith Votes, we're trying to equip and empower Christians to do three main things. We want them to pray, pray for our leaders, pray for our elections, to think biblically, and to vote consistently. Correct. Right? And that's what this book does. Because I have found uh, that too many Christians don't really know how to vote their values. They don't really vote according to a biblical worldview. Mm. And, you know, Jason, one of the key things is they don't really understand the importance of voting. Wow. So um, let's start first with the biblical worldview, a Christian worldview. How do you describe that? And how do you think some Christians approach their vote that maybe doesn't quite line up with that? Well, you know, people will often vote based upon party registration. They'll uh, vote based upon what their family did or what their friends do or what they've been told on social media and they see is the right way to vote. But that's not how a Christian takes a look at things. Mm -hmm. They take a look at from a Christian worldview and what is a Christian worldview? It's based upon the Word of God, the Bible. Right. So it's a biblical worldview. And so you have to know what the Bible is saying about some key things. In my book, I identified seven key biblical worldview non-negotiables. Every Christian should be able to understand the importance of life, of being able to protect the unborn, based upon Psalm 139 and uh, other portions of Scripture. Protection of life is absolutely critical. What about the persecuted church? Mm. Brothers and sisters throughout the world, uh, uh, unbelievable uh, uh, torture, slavery, uh, death, uh, just just horrific things. Where do the politicians stand Mm on reaching out for religious freedom worldwide. There's a whole issue of religious liberty. Never before has the church been under such great attack as it is today in the area of holding on to our conscience, Mm. being able to express our Christian beliefs without intimidation and fear that we're going to cross some law that's going to end us up with a fine or jail. Right. And, right. and so, you know, there, there are key issues mm-hmm. that every Christian needs to take a look at. And if that candidate does not stand in alignment, what you're doing, if you vote for that candidate, you're voting against your values. You want to vote for your biblical values. That's more important right. than a party or a motion. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I hear this sometimes, mm-hmm. right? The single 
issue voters. Yes. Is that, is that a good thing? Is that not? I mean, you're calling it yeah. a non-negotiable. That's right. Right? And right. so the argument I hear yes. is this is a complex world, mm-hmm. right? There's lots of issues. Right. And in some ways, people line up with what I believe, and in other ways, they don't. So what am I to do? Yes. So the whole issue, for example, of economic equality, a lot of people will take a look at it and say, you know, I want to be able to see people getting more money, being able to live decently, right. and, and that's a high priority. And that, you know, that's great. So do I. So does everyone, I believe. They, and, but there's w- different ways of doing it. One area, for example, is minimum wage. Some people argue, raise the minimum wage to $20, $25, $50 an hour, and it'll lift people out of poverty. Yeah. And as a Christian, I have to be able to, to stand for that. Others would argue, you raise the minimum wage, you're going to create more unemployment, more automation, more economic uh, stress. You're not going to raise people up. What you need to do is grow the economy, allow businesses to uh, grow and expand and then be able to raise wages. That's what's been the history of America. So you could have that argument. And there could be two Christians. But you can't have the argument about life, about the protection of the unborn, about making sure that we don't have something like partial birth abortion, which is so horrific. Most states have outlawed it because it's so barbaric. And, and you, you want to be able to take a look at those non-negotiables. What's more important, the minimum wage or life? What's more important, the minimum wage or protection of Israel? What's more important, the minimum wage or protecting the churches, Christian schools, and individuals to be able to live their life according to their Christian conscience? Yeah. And so what would you say to that Christian that is contemplating a pro-choice candidate because the pro-choice candidate is caring for or concerned about all those social issues yes. that you just talked about? Exactly. So th- this, is, this is the big issue because they don't really think through their positions. And so I would say to them, as a Christian, You've got to uh, honor the Word of God. Right. You've got to see what God says about these issues. And man's issues of raising the minimum wage or not raising the minimum wage versus the whole idea of protecting life. And protecting life, you know, God knew you before you were born. God, God uh, uh, is the author of life. Mm. It's not man who should be taking that life. And, and we have an alternative. We have adoption. Now, I can tell you, uh, uh, you know, one of the key things for me is this issue of life. It's in Scripture, and personally, I would not be here right now if it wasn't for the fact that there were laws back when I was born that hindered abortion because I'm adopted. Now, I praise God for my parents. I praise God that I'm here. I praise God that I was able to have, have an awesome family and, and business and yeah. just so many opportunities I, I, instead of being killed in the womb. Yeah. Both my kids are adopted, and yeah. that's uh, uh, special to my heart. It's and great. So it's, um, it's an issue that really is something that we should think about. But yeah. let's talk a little bit about 
what people are hearing and learning in mm -hmm. church. Yes. You know, so you're talking about a Christian worldview. Yes. It seems to me there's a number of pastors um, that aren't helping their congregations understand these in the context of what they're hearing yes. in the media, what's being presented in the political debate. How can we overcome that? It, it's a big problem and because I, I meet pastors who are fearful of losing donors. Yeah. I meet pastors who are fearful of some people in the elder board or church complaining. It only takes a few people to complain. Yeah. Pastors need to stand up. This time that we live in today, the church is under attack like never before. Mm. Christians, basically, we're, we're in a post-Christian uh, uh, society. Right. We're in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. And what do we see in the Word of God? Mm. We're seeing, if you go through the New Testament, what stands out is Paul and the apostles and Christians are constantly under attack by their culture. Yeah. They were in, in the Roman Empire. They looked at Christians and they, you know what they called them? Haters. Mm. They used the word haters because they were contrary to the culture, hmm. contrary to the norms and the government dictates. And they were people that stood firm. And you see Paul talking about stand firm. And you see that they don't go, uh, compromise. It's better to obey God than man. And that's really our call to be light and salt and not yeah. to compromise because these pastors who compromise, they're leading their, their sheep astray. Yeah. There were so many pastors in this last election that never talked about the election. In fact, they should have talked about the election and how to vote your values. Not Democrat, not Republican, but key issues based upon a biblical worldview. That's their responsibility to be able to guide them. That's our history right. from the American Revolution was pastors were the salt and light and the cultural voice conscious in the community. And today, they'd rather be silent. I, I, I know one pastor who said, you know, I look around and it's a mess. I know uh, what's right and wrong, but you know, I just don't have confidence to be able to talk about this. I don't want the criticism. It's hard enough to run the church as it is. That, that's compromising. Yeah. That's giving up. Yeah. That's not advancing the gospel as it should be advanced. And it's not advancing truth as it should be advanced. Yeah, um, in your book, you talk about the war on Christianity, yes, right. right? And this is what I think the pastors are fearful of, what, what this is, you know, if I speak into this, yeah. what kind of backlash am yeah. I going to get? But for the Christian who is a naysayer to that or doesn't quite understand what you mean right. by the war on Christianity, yes. help us understand, what is that? What's happening? What are some examples of that? So there are so many examples. Um, you've heard of uh, Jack Phillips, the Christian baker. He has gone to court multiple times mm -hmm. because as a Christian business owner, he loves the Lord. Yeah. His business was a witness of, his, of, of, of Jesus Christ. His way to glorify God was building, making the best cakes possible. But when he was uh, asked to do a cake that violated his conscience, a cake that he decorated for a gay couple. You know, I love you with the love of my Lord, but I can't build this. Mm -hmm. You can buy the cake, you can go to a baker down the street, 
but I just can't bake that cake for you. Well, he's standing firm. He's not compromising. And he's been in the court at least eight times. He's back in court again now in regards to a transgender cake. There's a lady who's a florist in, uh, in Seattle. I think she's like 84 years old. Mm -hmm. She would, uh, would love sell flowers to people. And, and a regular couple were lesbian. She'd sell flowers to them. But when they asked, do our wedding, she said, I can't use my, my uh, creative talents because I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. In America, you should be able to stand on that belief without fear. She's called in the court. She loses, loses, loses. It hopefully is going to go to the Supreme Court. And you know what, Jason? She's going to lose her house, her retirement, and her business just for standing firm. Right now, there's bills in Congress that would uh, basically destroy church hiring. Churches cannot only hire Christians. Schools cannot tell kids that uh, we believe uh, uh, that you uh, should have a sanctity of marriage. And, and, and so you don't have sex in the dorms. You cannot do that. Uh, this new promotion uh, that undermines biblical teaching is being forced upon Christians. It's a religion of the left, of secularism, of atheism, that's treating Christianity as an enemy of people. And yeah. we're being marginalized that way in so many different areas of life. That's why Christians yeah. need to vote. Yeah, you're speaking of the Equality Act, Correct. and that's going to have huge reper yes. repercussions yes. Um, in Christian organizations and yes. churches. That's right. Um, if this truly does pass, uh, exactly Absolutely. what you're talking about. And the tax exemption of churches is under attack. That's right. Christian radio, they're talking again now about uh, having a thing called the Fairness Doctrine on radio and TV for Christians. So if anybody's listening to a Christian Bible study and they bring up something like marriage or abortion on the radio, they have to have equal time for somebody who opposes it. Yeah. That's the left's way of saying this is fair, but right. that's not the American way of freedom of expression. Yeah. Yeah. In your book, you yeah. also hit on another topic, mm -hmm. a topic that My Faith Votes has also uh, rallied behind. Right. Around, uh, and I, I think about it from election integrity. In yes. fact, we have a website called electionintegritynow.org yes. mm -hmm. um, that is helping people take a stance yes. at a federal a state and a local level, helping them understand what are things they can do to make a difference and make an impact. But there's a bill, it's called the For the People Act. Right. And among a whole number of yes. things that it does, it allows nationwide a practice called ballot harvesting. Correct. Now ballot harvesting is only legal right now yes. in a couple states, a few maybe, you, you know for sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, tell us what ballot harvesting is Yes. And, and really how it's dangerous. Yes, so 18 states legally allow ballot harvesting. Oh, it's as many as 18. 18 states, okay. Nevada's the latest one. Okay. And, and more states, uh, are trying to get that promoted. And, and, and then the uh, uh, voter bill that the Democrats want 
uh, allow ballot harvesting nationwide, it forces ballot harvesting nationwide. Um, there are um, a, a number of states who have completely outlawed it, that yeah. even those ballot harvesting can go on illegally, like in Texas. Uh, in Texas, they caught people going to a retirement home, picking up the ballots, and one person taking them to the poll. So, so uh, is that what ballot harvesting so is? So let me explain okay. what it is, because a lot of people don't know, but everybody has to know, because this is transforming the election. Yeah. Um, great candidates have lost the election, didn't know what hit them. On election day, they may win, yeah. but when the final count is done, all these ballots come in, and they lose, and they don't know why. And it's not that there was maybe uh, uh, voter fraud, that's a different issue, there is voter fraud, but it's not because of voter fraud, it's because of the ballot harvesting. So what it is is this, one person can go to a door, they can go to a retirement home, they can go to an apartment complex, and they can say, uh, I'm here to help you mail in your ballot. And, um, I'll be glad to take your ballot and take it down to the poll for you. So you don't have to worry about missing the election. You don't have to worry about going down there. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that. I'll take care of it for you. So they collect it. They collect it. Okay. So they collect the ballot, they go down, and they can bring it to the poll. There's no um, chain, uh, there's no uh, accountability. Nobody knows who no this person is. No chain of control. No, because they can do it. Nobody knows who they are. They disappear. Yeah. Some ballot harvesters uh, bring in 25, 50, 100 ballots. Some bring in 500, 1,000 ballots. And what they do, um, uh, it, 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 the, the unions and certain uh, uh, pro-democrat groups have organized this in such a way that they get the data of what people think. This group of people are likely to vote for us because of their education is their number one issue. This group, uh, 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 medical care is their number one issue. And they go down and they decide who is the likely voter. Then they have an army of paid, trained volunteers. They're paid. Oh yeah, most are trained uh, be because the volunteers have not been as efficient. So the unions and, and the political parties pay leaders to control uh, to to mainly uh, do it but then they have an army of volunteers that okay. help out usually the volunteers will have like coffees or community groups and have people invited over and they'll collect the ballots from them and and so they'll collect the ballots based upon the data they'll knock on the door so I, um, I've got a video for example and I'd be glad to send you that video yeah. that you could post and this video shows a ballot harvester and she's been to this house 10 times. And she's saying, is Randy there? And, and Randy is the millennial that is living at the house who she thinks is going to vote for her candidate. And the parents, she doesn't want to talk to, but they answer the door. And it's on, you know, ring of video. And she explains, well, I'm here from the Democratic Party and um, I want to talk to Randy and I'll take the ballot in for him. And she explains exactly how she does it. And what she has is a voter guide. And from city council all the way up, she'll help them fill out the ballot, then they'll seal it and she takes it. Mm. Now here's the thing, with the ballot harvester, 
they increase voter turnout 10 to 15 percent, which is what you need to win many, many elections, especially yeah. local elections. They also have uh, the ability to take the ballot and manipulate the ballot, and nobody would know. They have the ability, and that would be illegal. What they're doing in picking up the ballot is legal, but that would be illegal, but they could do it. They, uh, what if the parents had given the ballot, the Republican parents? They could have taken those two ballots, thrown them away, nobody would have known, and they just taking uh, 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 you know, the other ballot in. So it is something where if you go to a retirement home, yeah. nobody knows that you could fill out the ballot for all those people yeah. who are hardly conscious. You could go to an apartment complex, and in that apartment complex, when all the ballots arrive, come in and sweep them up, Nobody will know. So it sounds to me like what we're talking about is influence, uh, because you talked about a, a voter guide yes. that would influence the person totally. in a way that yes. doesn't seem right. That's right. And the other is some outright fraud. Yeah. Where it opens it, the door to fraud. So it's yeah. legal, but it opens the door to easy ballot fraud. And the voting fraud that has gone on in the last elections where there's ballot harvesting, uh, it's very hard to prove that yeah. we know what's going on. Yeah. And, and when you can identify like a retirement home, that's where you see indictments. And there's dozens of them out there right now. But uh, in the states that have ballot harvesting, it's almost impossible to win yeah. against an army of trained mobilizers. Yeah, paid, trained That's mobilizers. Correct. But let me add one more thing. In the states that's legal, you can also have church ballot harvesting. Mm. And that's transformational. So what happens is, before the election, you ask people to bring in their ballots, you've got a box there, they can put it in the box. The pastor can have people in the church or the pastor himself or invite somebody to come in to go down the ballot and explain how to vote your values, and then collect those ballots in the box, and then the pastor or somebody on staff can take them to the poll. That's totally illegal. That was done by about 400 churches in California. Mm. And, and um, when you can do that, you can change an election. When you mobilize the Christian vote, yeah. all of a sudden you're gonna see so many dramatic changes for the for the better yeah. that the church became mobilized and do right. what it should do, being salt and light yeah. in the community. And this goes back to what we were talking before of That's right. just pastors being willing to say, yes. as a Christian, we have something essential yes. to contribute. Our faith needs to be brought forward, and we need to vote and vote from a biblical worldview. Um, and if we embrace where it's legal, mm -hmm. ballot harvesting, yes. that can be used for good. Huge, Yeah, huge. I wanna talk about another topic because when I think about why Christians don't vote, this is, a, my faith votes got started when we learned that there were tens of millions of Christians who were even registered to vote yes. in a presidential election, yes. but weren't. Yes. And so we started thinking about what's all the reasons why right someone might not, yeah. or would choose not to go vote. Yes. One of them is, I don't have enough information. Correct. I don't know anything about who's on this ballot, yes. and that typically applies when you go further down the ballot. True. We all know who's running for president, right. we know what they stand for. Yes. 
the biggest area that I think people are clueless yes. about how to cast an, a God-honoring vote yes. is with judges. Yes. You've spent a lot of time researching, talking about this, right. helping people make those decisions. Tell us how we do it. So here's the thing. The judges are one of the critical elements in fighting for freedom because so many judges are what we call judicial activists. They legislate from the bench and they have a very pro-socialist, anti-Christian viewpoint that is seen in how they make decisions. They're transforming government sure. and society from the bench. They're legislating from the bench. A strict constructionist is one who believes in following the Constitution, not what they think or believe in uh, politically, but what the Constitution says. That's the type of judge you want. Well, how do you find them? So we have researchers who go into their past, take a look at their voting record. We have a questionnaire. We make sure they fill out that tells um, who their favorite Supreme Court judge was in the past and how they feel about different issues. And we gather this data and we rate the judges nationwide on who's a judicial activist, who's a strict constructionist, how to vote your values. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely critical because really, most people, when they see uh, the ju judicial races, they leave it blank. Yeah. But who then uh, is able to win the election? It's those who want to destroy freedom, attack Christians. Yeah. They're the winning judges because uh, the left is so mobilized and organized of who to get behind. You take a look at the donations, that's what we always look at in endorsements. The donations to these judicial races are huge. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's a planned, coordinated campaign mm -hmm. to really stuff the judiciary in yeah. the elections. Yeah, I hear different strategies yeah. when it comes to judges, and it doesn't match what you're saying. Yeah. It's either vote them all out or it's no. leave them all blank. You want to vote for the good ones. And you want right. to make sure the bad ones lose. Yeah, so My Faith Votes is going to have to connect with you, and, and we'll get all that yeah. information out to you're people. Welcome to have Because it. it's critical. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, and so your book outlines all of these things that we've talked about, yes. from the ballot harvesting to judges, yes. to all the non-negotiables as Christians. harvesting, uh, uh, church mobilization, yeah. everything. So, Craig, thanks for joining us yes. and being such an informative resource. Uh, and I encourage everyone, get this book, The Christian Voter, from Craig Huey, and you'll be blessed by it. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Wow. It's the powerful way Craig frames the problem. It's the religion of the left, secularism and atheism, that's treating Christianity as the enemy of the people. That was powerful. And that's what we're up against in many ways in our cultural battles. It's why we must be engaged and bring the influence of our faith into every election. We've got great tools on the My Faith Votes website that will help you do just that. Visit myfaithvotes.com. Org. That's MyFaithVotes.org. And make sure you're aware and prepared for every election. Thanks for listening and joining this conversation with Craig Huey.